Hello and welcome to another exchange. That's the Square Theatre podcast. Remember, these podcasts are sponsored by Beer Fifty Two. If you want to get eight free craft beers and just play pay for the package and posting, go to www.beer52.com/rahalastapa and claim your free beers and drink them. And you can stay on and get more beer every month that you'll pay for, or you can leave at any time you wish. Also, remember, my book Emergency Questions is available at gofasterstripe.com slash EQ and all good shops. It's the perfect Christmas gift. But also, if you go to Go Faster Stripe, you can buy my new DVD, Oh Frig on 50. There's only a very limited copies, hard copies of this. We only made a 1,000 DVDs. Most of them have gone to Kickstarter people. There are a very few left. You can either buy the four-disc version for £25, which has both uh, Oh Frig on 50 and Oh Fuck on 40 shows, plus all the extras from those shows, including a tempting failure art exhibit where I play myself at snooker for 90 minutes or so uh, and uh, piss off experimental artists by being boring, apparently. Uh, it's really good. Uh, if you want to pay £50, you can get a limited edition copy of that, which is signed and numbered, and you'll also get an amazing bag for life bag. Uh, when I buy a bag for life, I think, yeah, it probably is. That's what it says on it. It's very funny. Uh, go to gofasterstripe.com if you want to get your hands on those. You can also get the show as a download and most of the extras as a download if you are from the future and don't want DVDs. Um, I think that's it. Go to richherring.com slash gigs if you want to see where I'm coming with Rahel Estepa. Rahel Estepa in, in, in 2019, we are planning some shows on the road as well as more here at the Leicester Square Theatre. Now let's sit back, relax and enjoy Greg Davies on Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's just been advised to do his belt up backstage. <laughs> Richard Herring. Welcome uh, to the Les Square Theatre. This is. Who's uh... <laughs> done up? Uh, I've just undid it. I've been to the toilet. I undid it. I just did a wee. It's not. <laughs> I was. Uh, welcome to the Rich Challenge Les Square Theatre podcast. I was hanging around with the Bard and Meinhof gang. Um, <laughs> They are not as much fun as that name makes them sound. I have to say they were quite unpleasant. Quite unpleasant people in many ways. They call it Rahelis. They call it Rahelis. You know, they do it in a German accent like I did just then. So, um, uh, what was I going to talk to you about? Uh, I would, I, I, you know, my book is out, uh, Emergency Questions. Uh, do buy that and do uh, support our sponsor, Beer 52. Second week in a row, no beers have turned up. And... Um, <laughs> beer52.com slash if you want some if you want some free beer uh, but I I'd mentioned in, in another week that uh, I'm in the Amazon there's a, it's like a quite obscure chart with about four subheadings and the final one is fa- fun facts and trivia and I, I you know I got up as high as I think I got to number one actually for a very brief time but I've been fighting against a man called Hugh Jaspern um <laughs> whose book, uh, 52 Things to Learn on the Loo. I'm not sure it's his real name. I'm not sure. Hughes Jasburn. Hugh Jasburn. <laughs> we agreed to, we'd swap books and I'd buy his book if he bought my book. Joke's on him. It's got, only cost five, mine cost uh, 9 dollars so. <laughs> Already up. But, you know, he's only got 52 things in here and I've got 1,001 in mine. Um, it's a very good, it's, you know, it is better than 
the name suggests. That's what I'm going to say, and I can see why it always does quite well in the charts. Um, you can learn the two cork release trick on the toilet. Hold a cork in each hand as shown above. Place the tip of the thumb on the top of the cork in the opposite hand. Using index fingers, reach around, grab corks and pull apart. Show a friend, give them the corks, watch them fail. I mean, you know. <laughs> I did my best for you, Hugh, but it is no taking a page at random. Uh, if you were in hospital, would you prefer to die than be Patch Adams? Not as good as that, is it? So, not as good as that. Not as good as that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, to our guest this week. He has been on before. I told him backstage he was one of my top three podcasts I've ever done. My favourites is a lie. It was rubbish. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was mainly me that was good. He is probably... <laughs> Come on, Ian Gunpowder, that was me, that was all me. So, he's probably best known as Balloon Man in Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which is actually quite a big fucking deal. It's Greg Davies! Thank you, hello. Oh. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good. I'm I've just um, um, I've just been uh, sitting backstage where it's uh, insufferably hot, <laughs> and uh, now I'm sweating like the uh, fat prick. I truly am. <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> we deliberately ramp it up backstage just yeah, to get it seems people. Right. It's genuinely uncomfortable. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we do. You got new chairs, week. Rich. Since the last time, I've new what chairs? Yeah, they are nice, nice aren't they? Isn't it? Kickstarter money. This is where it's where it all goes. It's where it all gets blown. Look Lovely. They're very nice. Didn't I, I was sitting on a very bad chair on last week's podcast. I forgot to mention how awful. All the, the ladies had lovely these lovely chairs, and I was sat on. If you saw it up close, it was barely a chair. And we're off. It looked like. <laughs> <laughs> So, Balloon Man. Yeah. That's, but this is a big deal, Balloon Man. It sounds like a funny thing, but it's... It, it, is it I, out in the UK? Is it a, a big deal? I don't know. It's a Hollywood movie. It's a Hollywood thing, but I think, like I think all the kids like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was just a... You know, they clearly decided um, that they wanted... It was a tiny bit part, and they just went through the roller decks of incredibly fat, <laughs> farting, disgusting old comedians. Yeah. And uh, I got the part, yeah. But it is... It took me about an hour, and uh, I die within 10 seconds. Right. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's an animation, though, so they, you know, yeah, they, yeah. Need, they didn't need to get, like, literally a balloon man. No, they didn't. <laughs> they obviously thought that it should be genuine. So, yeah. It's just a disgusting, fat creature yeah. that just farts all the time and then um, is destroyed within 30 seconds of the film starting. So, big break. <laughs> But apparently, people like um, uh, Teen Titans. Titans Go. Yeah. I'm not. I wasn't. I'm not aware of it. It's too old for my kids. That's the problem. So, I'm. You know, I'm more into uh, Waffle the Wonder Dog and yeah, all the yeah, classics. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He can. He can talk. I forgot to ask about how they got managed to find a talking dog to do that. Uh, so, must have been taking a long time. Um, so. Um, <laughs> oh, we had such fun. We had such fun backstage. Um, we'll build up. It's all right. And uh, no, I think it was the chair story. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good. The chair story. 
It'd be better if the chair had been here. Yeah. For me to look, say, look, it's not Way as good better. as these Yeah, chairs. Re- recounting a chair that but, no one's seen. Yeah. It's <laughs> a <laughs> basic, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like we should try and tell a chair story that is funny, though. <laughs> okay. Have you got a funny chair story? I w- <laughs> I was on a, a, when I was living in rented accommodation, I was on a small two-seater velour sofa during the day when I should have been teaching children. I'd taken the day off. And God punished me because as I was watching daytime telly, I was just in my pants. I uh, copped my leg to uh, let out a fart and I fully filled my pants full of shit. Did Andy go on the, on the chair? Weirdly, here's yeah. the thing. <laughs> here's the weird thing. Because yeah. I am an unashamed brief wearer, none did go it on the velour so fast. <laughs> it could have been awful. And I yeah. really remember walking to the toilet. <laughs> but I think it's... I think it's unusual, even when, when you've got a tummy complaint, to go from naught to 100 miles an hour like that. <laughs> Normally, there would be a sort of, oh, I'm not sure I'm feeling all that well. But not for, oh, yeah, I wonder what's on this morning, to <laughs> just a full payload. Yeah. When I was at school, it, you, um, it was sort of frowned upon to use the toilets to poo in, right? You're, you're, yeah. When you're seven or eight, you couldn't, if anyone did a poo in the toilet, then people would climb up and laugh at them and yeah. you, people would you, you, you were meant to poo at There's home. a boy in my school um, <laughs> who still lives in my hometown yeah. and who is still called Poo Boy <laughs> for that very reason. <laughs> and that is absolutely true. He's um, the son of the now dead uh, local news agent. Right. <laughs> still called Poo Boy. Never shit in a I, school I toilet. I knew twice I'd chat in my pants rather than go to the toilet. <laughs> What a fool shit. <laughs> yeah. And walked home. Like I was in the sick room. I, was fe- I said I was feeling unwell. Hang on, mate. And then I Hang sat on. in the sick room. Hang on. <laughs> so you needed a shit. Yeah. And you logically, as a child, thought to yourself, I can't risk being embarrassed by my schoolmates. So yeah. I'm going to do a full turd. <laughs> yeah. I was in the sick room because I wasn't feeling very well. So that was part of the reason. That yeah, yeah. Up, yeah. And I remember the teacher came in and checked on me every now and again. And once I'd completely pooed myself, they came in, they went, you might as well go home now. <laughs> I think he'd smelt the poo. There I mean, I would assume so. There wasn't a toilet attached to the sick room? No. So you just thought, like, I'm going to yeah. <laughs> well, fully could, do a shit in my And everyone butt. was in lessons still, so I could have snuck in and used... It would have been one of the tiny toilets from the first years in the middle school. You know, um, when I was at um, primary school... I'm, I'm not sure. If, what I'm worried about doing this podcast is that I am a, a middle-aged man now and I won't remember any of the stories I told last time, so I'm probably going to repeat myself. When I was at primary school... Your poo stories are so delightful, Greg. We, 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 they they bear a second <laughs> listen, don't they? This isn't a... I was, um, I, I was in primary school and I threw a girl's pencil across the classroom in an act of unprovoked spite. <laughs> and um, the, the head teacher, Mr Lowe... Yep, no, no, no. now dead. Um, 
he saw me throw the pantser across the classroom and he grabbed me and he picked me up and he put me on the table and we were like in group tables so all a little group all sat around one big yeah. table dotted around the classroom and he grabbed me and he went I saw that boy and he put me on the table and just in sheer fear I just pissed myself <laughs> and so it was just <laughs> I think it's my earliest school memory of me just fully pissing all over a table that my friend, my best friends were sitting around yeah. and it all spattering and it really scared Mr Lowe you could see, you go, I wasn't expecting him to piss himself but he knew he had to style it out so he's all like, ah, well, ah, well, yeah, that's it, you've, you've soiled yourself now as if, of course, that's what happens that's what happens if you throw a girl's pants across a classroom <laughs> And now you've pissed all over a table. <laughs> you now must go and change. And they took me away. Anyway, as a consequence of that, for, I mean, 25 years, I was known as tabletop in my town throughout my whole secondary school. Now, simultaneously, in another classroom, Miss Lorks's classroom, uh, my friend Stephen Jones had shut himself. I, I think on the... <laughs> the same day so I became known as tabletop and he became known as um, khaki ass <laughs> and we sort of developed a, a, a bond over yeah. the years so I would go passive and go <laughs> and he would go <laughs> for years yeah. about three years ago we had a school reunion uh, in a local pub like, like I went to school in the, the 1979 and as I was put up to the pub in my car, I thought, that's khaki. <laughs> that's khaki ass at the cash point outside the pub. And he had his back to me, and I wound my window down, and I went, and I haven't seen him for 30 years. <laughs> I wound my window down, and I went, Pfft. and without turning around, he went, <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> he didn't even check it was me. He went, oh, I know that. I know my old foe. Oh, good. Uh, so, um, <laughs> uh, you, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to do all things that have happened since 2014 when you were last on. Okay. A lot like, of bad stuff's happened. I haven't pooed myself, <laughs> but a lot of bad stuff's You're happened. Not, yeah. I'm trying to think if I've pooed myself since 2014. Not in any serious way. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Just in a loose middle age way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're both you, we're both in our fifties now. Which we want? Well, I don't know whether I'm in my fifties. Well, you're fifty. Yeah. Yeah. You're in. You're, in. you're not in your fifties. You're, you're fifty-one. I don't no, think. You're in. You're in. No, I'm fifty. <laughs> There's which a distinction. Is, which there. is one of the fifties. One of the with the ten fifties. I don't think it is. I think the uh, uh, I think the decades are marked by separate entities, and this is a year of youthful exuberance. <laughs> okay. I'm 51, so I'm definitely in my Fuck 50s. Fucking hell. Well into my 50s. I'm amazed you haven't shot yourself. <laughs> Granddad. <laughs> you said it, I think you said in your, your absolutely excellent uh, stand-up special that's on uh, Netflix, You Magnificent Beast. Thank you, Richard. Um, uh, what I love about this job is it's my job on a Monday to just watch you do comedy for an hour is very good uh, so you said I think you have less to look forward to at 50 or certainly in an interview maybe if not in the show yeah do you really feel like that do you feel like life's ebbing away I, I yeah I mean I'm, 
I, I think it really broadsides you, 50. I think you can't... I, I can't quite believe it. I was talking to a, a mate of mine who... And, and we were literally yesterday what feels like yesterday fantasizing about what our lives would be like when we were 30 yeah. and all of a sudden it's like bang it is ah, quick fuck I know it's a cliche but it is like what the fuck I sort of feel like 30 to 50 is like you know like there's that experiment where doctors were sucking out people's hypothalamus to see what would happen yeah. uh, and then it, they lost all their memories <laughs> I sort of feel like that's what happens <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I love it oh <laughs> and then you've woken up the next day and go, but I'm still 30. That's my long-term yeah. memory. Uh, so that's that's quite bad. Yeah, it's I mean, you have nothing in your life, though. I've got two children. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it's true. The, you, you literally have no... True. You have I, nothing. I had to put all my energy into my career. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I would prefer to be doing the stuff you're doing, but I'm... I of have, course. I have two children, and that's a good consolation a, prize. A really good friend of mine said to me the other day, and he was not joking, he was not trying to get a reaction out of me. He said, oh, I think if I had my time, I'd go, I'd go back now, and I wouldn't have the kids. I'd just, I'd just get a couple of dogs, probably. And I went, well, you mean if you could literally go back in time now, you would erase your children? He goes, yeah, I think so, probably, yeah. Yeah, on balance, I think so, because all, all they do is uh, complain and look on the internet. <laughs> I do that voice for all my impressions of all, all my friends. Yeah. Uh, I don't... My, my, be, my Probably my Betty mate um, lived with me um, a couple of years ago because... Um, um, well, you don't need to know this. This is unnecessary detail. <laughs> he got divorced. There. Uh, and we were like two 49-year-old losers. Yeah. But I, fucking, I just fucking loved it. It was, it was like a reliving, just going back to being a student. And we lived like students. And we ate curry every day and just got drunk all the time. It was great. And I'm sorry yeah. that he's now happy in another relationship. <laughs> because... It was such great fun. Anyway, he does talk a bit like that. And um, uh, I said to him one Sunday, I'm going for, um, I'm going to go and have a meal with a couple of other mates. Do you want to come? And he went, um. <laughs> And I don't know why this is, makes me laugh so much. And uh, maybe it was all right. He went, um, yeah, I don't see... Um, <laughs> I don't see why not, because uh, all I've had to eat today is an individual cherry bake one and a bowl of... <laughs> and a bowl of cheese. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are you talking about? And he said it... He said it as if... That's why everyone... I mean... You know, everybody, when, they're, uh, when they've not planned their meals, just settle for that famous British meal, a bowl of cheese. People, everyone has a bowl of cheese. No, they fucking, no, they fucking don't. <laughs> it's a bowl of cheese. Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you another story about yes, this? Yes, please. <laughs> when I, uh, oh no, I uh, shouldn't have used his uh, actual name. <laughs> This is a different mate, actually. <laughs> it's a different mate. 
uh, who does have the same voice as that guy. <laughs> uh, his name's uh, Tony. And um, it was in the 90s when I was teaching. Yeah. And there were two really attractive teachers, both of whom I really fancied and was desperately tra- trying to impress. And they were having a... <laughs> They were having a conversation about how disappointing the male fantasy of two women being together is. They were sort of saying it's just pathetic that that's men's default setting, that they think that, you know, that women are all uh, 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 sort of gorging on each other and, and well, whatever, that, that, male, that that male fantasy exists. And they were saying it was pathetic and predictable. Yeah. And of course, I was trying to impress them, so I was pretending that I find um, the idea of two women together unappealing as well. So I was going, oh God, it's just pathetic, isn't it? It's just, is that the best you can do? Just imagining two women being together, God almighty, yeah. And then Tony came in, and he came in, (laughs) it was a break time, and he went, "Um, all right. And we went, all right, Tony. And he goes, um... What are you talking about? And one of the girls went, oh, we're just talking about the, you know, ma- the male fantasy of two, with two women being together. And before she could say anything else, he went, oh, my God. Oh, my God. The thought of you two... T- <laughs> Let me tell you the whole quote. It's astounding. The thought of you two tender chickens... Packing away at each other <laughs> is more than I can bear. <laughs> Packing away at each other—it's offensive. It's offensive on so many levels. <laughs> Tender. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Oh, God, they were a bit frosty, weren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Frosty. (laughs) I think... um, I was interested about your stand-up, and like, as a 49, 50-year-old man as you're doing this show, is that your glee is still... Your childish glee is still there. With my... I've done a show about turning 40 and a show about turning 50, and they're both sort of a little bit... The 41 more so than the 51, really, about going, oh, God, can I carry on being childish and yeah. I'm going to, you know, is it, is it the end because I'm too old? You don't seem to have those same concerns. No, I don't. It's just the sort of celebration you know, of silliness. Much to the detriment of my personal <laughs> life. But I think I, think I um, you know, I, it's, I, it's well documented. I grew up in a house where with an in, in sensationally childish father. Yes. And, so I think the die was cast. Yeah. But yeah, of course, we're all just, you know, we're all going to die soon, aren't we? So <laughs> yeah, may as well be silly while we can. It is. I mean, it's incredibly funny. It generally is a such funny show. And there's no, I mean, there's a little bit, because there's a little bit about your dad. So there's a little bit of uh, like a super song of like emotion in there. But yeah. it's always undercut, really. It's just great. You know, there's so many stand-up specials and stand-ups doing this worthy and serious and doing dead dad shows that are like, um, yeah, my dad died. But you know, but it's, it's it's so much fun just to see someone being silly and. But I think fun. that's fine uh, uh, if that's what if, yeah. if, if you need to get it off your chest in a public forum, that's fine. But I choose not to yeah. be sad on stage. But yeah. I think it's okay if that's a, a good way of you dealing with it. But you know, I I only mentioned. Uh, 
I, I would. Uh, the thing I love about stand-up is that y you're in um, absolute control of what you release. Yeah. Yeah. So I would mention that he's died, but only because I want to say a funny thing that he. Yeah. It's a way into. Yeah, but you know, but it's, it's interesting. I think something like well, joyous about him. Sure. I mean, yeah. it's still a love. It's a lovely tribute for that because that's the kind of man he obviously was as well. Yeah. Uh, and but you know, critically. I guess, you know, I don't think I've laughed at, you know, many stand-up shows as much as I laughed at your one, but, you know, critically people will go, you know, oh, where's the, where's the depth to it all, you know. Well, they there. might. It's there. It it's is just, there. They just need to look a bit fucking up. <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> you got quite a good review from Brian Logan in the Garden. I don't know if you read your reviews, but... He's, but I read that one, yeah. yeah. It, but it, it was a four-star that read like a one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a for begrudging star. He's such a sniffy. I mean, he's he's the archetypal reviewer who wants every stand-up show to be what he would do if he was doing a stand-up yeah, show, yeah. which is a political stand-up show, basically. I don't know. You know, I mean, but, he gave me four stars. So he, yeah. must, he must be all right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he gave me four stars as well after he nearly uh, nearly got him sacked from the Guardian, so he had to. So it's um, a <laughs> long, long story. But he does mention in that review, I think, a, a routine that is, at least isn't in the Netflix live show. Is the is the Netflix live show shorter than the? Yeah, I had to show? chop it down to yeah. an hour. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why they like. Because he that. mentions uh, a routine about Doctor Dicklifter. Doctor uh, Dicklifter. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's in the Netflix. Special. Did I take that out? I think so. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I might. Well, that's a hundred, uh, like most of it, it's just 100% true. Yeah. Do you want me to tell it? Yeah, I mean, I was interested to know, but I, I had a, a massage who, uh, guy who wants to my penis a lot. I mean, it is, a, it is on the surface a yeah. genuine story of uh, awful sexual assault. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go for a medical. We, uh, when you do any kind of teleproject, you have to go for... Um, uh, a standard medical uh, and in my opinion it's largely a pointless exercise it's so that they can say you've been sent for a medical and you normally get sent to one particular doctor in um, uh, what's it called Harley Street oh yeah okay who, who really uh, who's lovely but largely just says how are you are you alright no. and then he talks about his son for about 10 minutes and then you leave after he listens to your heart but then I got sent for this one show to a different doctor I'd never met and he um, and I have a massive fear of authority. Some of my friends called me FOA because I anyone in any position of authority, I'll do whatever they say. Yeah. He was about seventy. He was have a little look at you, then pop behind the old uh, pop behind the old uh, screen and uh, to pop your clothes off. And I went, <laughs> oh, I I didn't have to. I don't normally have to take it. Yeah, if you could pop your clothes off, that would be good. <laughs> so I just did it straight away, down to my pants. And he came in and he tapped my knee like that, because that's really important. Then he listened to my heart. Then he took my blood pressure. And then, just with no warning whatsoever, he just took my pants and went whoop, whoop. And I went... <gasps> because I wasn't expecting someone to expose my penis. Yeah. And then, he was talking, this is my face, he was talking to me, and he just took hold of the tip of my penis and lifted it two inches in the air so it was upright. And then he just carried on going, how long are you, how long are you filming for? Lovely, must be quite the life. Quite the life being an actor. 
And he held it for about... Um, I worked out, because there was a clock behind you. <laughs> I, uh, I worked out, he held my penis upright for three minutes while he was talking to me. And then he uh, popped it down. And I went home and went... I don't think that's a medical thing. Um, I can't think of any reason why... Why, to make you sure you're fit for filming, you have to have your penis lifted three edges in the air and held by a 70-year-old man. And it sort of troubled me. I mean, he didn't do anything with it. He just yeah. held it. And then I went on set, and I, and I saw the director, who's um, about 10 years younger than me, and buff, and much better looking. And uh, I went, do you... Um, do you have to go for the medical for the thing? He goes, yeah, 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 I did. And I could see he was a bit shifty. And I went, was it, um, was that all right? That pan out all right? He went, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine, it's fine. And I went, did anything strange happen? He goes, yeah, well, he goes, actually, yes. Did. Something did happen. He, he grabbed my dick and, um, and he lifted it in the air. And I went, right! He did the same to me! He goes, I know, oh, thank God, it's weird. It's weird, right? I said, it's fucking weird. And this is absolutely true. He goes, honestly, God, it's the longest five minutes of my life. And, and I was genuinely furious. He held his dick for longer. Maybe he was timing like a, he was boiling an egg or something and he needed to time it. Yes, there we are. No, you saw it. it was hard-boiled for the well, other so guy. So the lifting of my dick was in- <laughs> incidental. <laughs> that was just the way he did it. Just well, my dick my... doesn't keep time, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe to him, it's some, maybe he's counting the <laughs> your pulse or something. You oh. get, you get. <laughs> that's why he took my pulse. That's why he listened to my heart first to make sure. <laughs> to make sure that my heart was keeping perfect time and then in order to boil his egg he was able to feel my pulse through my lifted penis yes. <laughs> of course of course oh dear good I don't know why that didn't make it onto the Netflix special that's good so um <laughs> I think what is interesting you talk about your dad and, and your dad um, making up lots of stories mm. for you and, and playing tricks on you making stuff up yeah which sort of that makes me wonder because a lot of things you talk about in your show are <coughs> mildly unbelievable they're not but they are true well but that's what your dad would say is that is no, no, you, are you are, carrying the torch but they are and I yeah they are yeah but that's what I find funny and I think that is you know when lots of comedians are trying to find the truth in their comedy but my literally I literally find things that genuinely happen to the funniest yeah and the only thing I'm guilty of is is merging stories and you know messing around with timelines but the 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 starting point, the, the thing that's made me laugh yep. normally happened, yeah. You would say that, wouldn't you? No, but it's yeah, true. if you're a big liar, you yeah, would say It's true. So, when I met you, we were talking about uh, Rick, and you had just done the first series of Mandan, I think, when we last talked on here. Yeah. And, uh, and then, obviously, that same year, you, we'd lost Rick, and you, you also lost your dad as well. Yeah. That was a pretty... Within two months, I yeah. think, is a double dad death. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> Impressive to lose a fictitious dad yeah. and a real dad in one year, yeah. 
Yeah. How, how did how did you cope with it? Really, was it was it? Oh, it was horrible. I mean, it was bad enough me never having met Rick Mail. I was so I, the other day I was interviewed for the Young Ones documentary, and I I don't cry all the time. I'm crying now, <laughs> uh, and I told you about I cried in the last podcast. But I I was started talking about Rick Mail, and I genuinely started crying. Did you in the interview? They only used it because no one's. Insane man on their program. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of me crying on the cutting room floor <laughs> of pointless and Rick Mailed young ones documentaries. But it, you know, you've been working with him and he was such a big part of that show. And I think you've you know And it was a, a lifetime ambition for yeah, me. Course, I yeah. never thought I would ever work with him or yeah. meet him or have a, you know, have anything. And then, then I'm being invited round to his house for tea and planning shows and yeah it was ter- it was terribly terribly sad but the reason it was sad for me is because he was still you know he had that awful accident in the 90s and, yeah. and was clearly affected by that um ongoing you know it was it had an ongoing effect on him because he that almost killed him in fact he was dead for five days i think he he loved that telling people that yeah i heard him tell that story at least three times because he uh, was dead for longer than christ was <laughs> <laughs> but um it was dreadful it, 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 the reason i didn't know him well there's no point in me pretending that we were best friends you know we worked on one series of a thing together yeah. but it was terribly sad for me because he was so full of beans still and he was still he wasn't old he was only no. mid 50s and um same sort of age as you. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'd be popping off anyway. I could be popping off. And um, yeah, he was just so enthusiastic and full of life. And, yeah. Yeah, there was, no, there was no sort of complacency on set. He just wanted to be as funny as possible and yeah, as mad as possible. So was it a difficult decision to carry on with Man Down? Or was that no, that wasn't, yeah. that wasn't uh, difficult because... Uh, the, the easy decision was not to replace him. That, yeah. that was, was... We were never not going to carry on with it, but um, the only thing that could have been tricky is do you try and get someone to play that father role? And, and I, mean, I decided that in about 10 seconds. There's no point. It's no. ridiculous, isn't it? Well, uh, who ten... would say yes? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to take over would. from Rick Mayle? Someone yeah. would, and it would be... You know, you see that sitcom where, some, where a character's been replaced, even if it's not exactly the same character, and it's yeah. always a bit when a major character goes. But, yeah. in, but it was very moving. That The episode you did was a... The, the first one you did was a very moving kind of homage to both I hope so. your dads. Uh, yeah, and it was really... Uh, yeah, it was very hard to write. <laughs> yeah. It was very... It's the hardest thing I've done in this silly business is to write a show about a father dying sort of after my actual dad yeah. <laughs> died and the character who played <laughs> my dad had died. It was about, just about the hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> My, my dad's still alive, so he's, uh, he's, eight, he's eight. Last time I checked, so he's... Uh, he's <laughs> it's great. I've got both of them still alive. It's great. Uh, so... <laughs> um, I'm really pleased for you. <laughs> but you joke in the show. My mum's all right. Yeah, your mum's fine. Yeah. Uh, we... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you joke in the show about, you know, you, you're taking so much material from your parents and so, you know, you're quite you're funny about saying your dad dying has, has, has screwed that up a bit for you. But yeah, yeah did, your, did your mum, was your mum really resistant to you doing something? You do, you still do do a lot about your mum in the... In I the do music. and I just can't get away from it. I, I, and I try to because I, I, I just did a gig over at the comedy store just now and I said, foolishly, I do panic that I, I might come across on stage as having a sort of Savile-esque relationship. <laughs> it's gone down just as badly here, interesting. <laughs> but you know that sort of obsessional, yeah. weird middle-aged man talking about his mum's day? <laughs> and so I do, I do genuinely, constantly... Uh, uh, yeah, that's the only similarity I have with that. <laughs> <laughs> so I do sort of constantly vow that I'm never going to talk about her again yeah. and she's happy about that she's like good I think it is time you moved on now <laughs> and, and stopped and then and here's an example of what then happened <laughs> um, and this happened um, a few weeks ago I vowed since that show where I once again focus massively on the stupid things she says um, I was round at her best mate's house a few weeks ago we went for drinks because her daughter was visiting and um we're having a glass of wine and they were talking about um, what it was like being pregnant in, with me and with her daughter in the 1960s. What it was like. And there were two things that I, I was... I remember thinking, oh, don't, don't remember this. Don't write it down. Don't write it down. You don't talk about her anymore. And she goes, because the first thing she said was, because of, um, of course I was absolutely repulsed by pregnancy. And I went, ah, oh, okay. Thank you. She was a disgust. I couldn't wait to get you out of me. And I went, okay. And then she said, um, then, uh, of course, uh, I gave up smoking uh, with you, but I didn't bother with your sister. <laughs> and I went, okay. Why? She goes, well, isn't it obvious? And I said, no. She goes, well, you're a giant, aren't you? <laughs> and I had... Um, I had an awful time giving birth to you and I'd, I'd read in a paper that women who smoke are in danger of giving birth to <laughs> underdeveloped infants and I thought that would make it easier for me. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? I said, what, you, you tried to shrink my sister in the womb? What are you, a fucking 17th century witch? <laughs> So I just can't imagine she's ever going to stop yeah. uh, making me laugh. Yeah. I was thinking about Jimmy Savile's mum the other day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Difficult wank. <laughs> when you get older, you take, you've got to take a run up at it. <laughs> you need to go dark sometimes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't do anything wrong. You know, he kept like all her clothes well, in, Christ, like, yeah, in his did flat, he? and he dry cleaned them every year, I think, or something like That's that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we don't know why he did that, uh, but um, do you think <laughs> I'd never even thought? You know, that. <laughs> you know? I think you're being a bit harsh on Jimmy Savile. <laughs> Sorry. To judge him by your dirty standards. <laughs> 
Do you, what do you think it happened to all of her clothes when he died? Do you think like someone's walking around wearing Jimmy Savile's mum's dress, or do you think they were like because the gravestone got all smashed up and destroyed, didn't it? Yeah. Do they destroyed? Do they got burned? I don't think there'd be a big they... market for them. <laughs> <laughs> they might just go to a charity shop. Though, I don't they? think Scope would be advertising. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what happened to them. He looked after them so well. <laughs> um, so, you are hosting the Royal Variety performance. Shortly. Yes, I am. How's that? How's that? Interesting, isn't it? It's another thing that I've done for my mum. Right. Yeah. Just uh, in between getting all her clothes dry cleaned. (laughs) (laughs) She's fine if she's alive. I think that's a nice thing if she's alive. I don't know how how that'll be because I don't, you know, if you've watched even 10 minutes of any of my stand-up shows, you know, it's just absolutely disgusting, unsayable filth. And I think it's, um, uh, it's, I've done it before. I've done it as a a comic and um, it was fine but it's not my crowd <laughs> and now I'm the host so I don't know we'll see you know I've what are you planning some... on I mean you know don't what are you going to I've got some ideas I don't know whether they'll work or not in front of that crowd I don't know but no it's not I can tell you it's not the Queen but I'm not, I don't think I'm allowed to tell you who the royals are for some is protocol it's, is it because it's Prince Andrew <laughs> I'm not telling I don't think I'm allowed to tell you okay I won't, I won't. Put I don't care, I'll tell you. Okay. I'll tell you off stage, yeah. and I'll meet all of you individually, <laughs> and I'll tell you. I'm just not going to tell you on this. Okay, I don't want to get into it. No, no one cares. I, um, but I think it'll be nice. Yeah. And there's some nice comics on the bill, and uh, it'd be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. I don't, I just don't, I wouldn't know where to start. I mean, it's, no, not, nor do I. To, it's not likely to happen to me. But. Nor do I, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, and you were on uh, Who Do You Think You Are, which is what I, the only reason I'd like to be as famous as you is so I could go on Who Do You Think You Are. It's the best thing. So yeah, such a shame you won't get to do it. It is, it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is the best thing. <laughs> and is there loads that doesn't get on the telly? There is. Do you know what? There's disappoint. It's disappointing some of the stuff that doesn't get on the telly. Yeah. And, and even to the extent, and I understand why they have to do it because they have to edit the complicated stories down. Yeah. But I always find it they were cutting whole humans out of the story. That's right. There were sort of whole, like, sisters of characters who died in weird circumstances and they were um, chopping it out. And they chopped out this um, amazing thing. We, we met... We met this expert. They have, you meet these experts on the journey. And we met this um, expert from a Welsh university who came off script. The producer, understandably, is trying to stick to the story of finding out... It was finding out who my grandmother's dad was because yeah. we as a family have never known. And they found out who, who her dad was on this bizarre teleprogram. But we met this um, guy and he was talking about um, courting techniques in rural... Wales at the time and there was a courting technique known as bundling and this didn't make it on the show and it's my favourite thing I learnt on the whole journey that at that time because I was saying it would be a scandal for my um, great grandmother to be pregnant out of wedlock surely and now my great great grandmother to be pregnant out of wedlock and he said no it wouldn't have been it only became a scandal sort of early 1900s in the late 1800s there was nothing scandalous about getting pregnant out of wedlock in rural Wales (laughs) because there was a technique called bundling where 
And this was widely practiced, where a young man would go to a farm and sneak into the, one of the daughter's bedrooms and have sex with her. And then if she got pregnant, he knew that he'd got a good one there. And uh, then they would get married. Right. Because there was no point in marrying her, uh, a woman unless she could give him loads of kids to right. work on his remote farm where they'd all be really unhappy and want to kill themselves. <laughs> when they're going and bundling it's with people that they that want to be bundled though right oh yeah 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 because no, it just sounded a little bit rapey the oh, way you no, described yeah. it just, which is why I think why no, I think everyone's gone a bit quiet it's gone a bit quiet <laughs> and I did think this is an interesting story you fucking assholes. no sorry I, I should make it very clear that the, the the daughter of the family would open the door and welcome the young man in <laughs> I found most interesting about the whole story was it was totally okay to rape people <laughs> uh, in the 1800s. Have you noticed the voice I'm using? <laughs> yeah. So there was nothing scandalous no. in um, rural Wales about getting knocked up in, in the late 1800s. Right. And it was the government who decided, I've seen the, the government paper that basically said all these fucking farmers are all they're all banging each other and having a great time getting <laughs> pregnant we've got to get them into church one of your ancestors is a ghost as well what do you mean one of your ancestors is a ghost one of your ancestors died in like a car accident or something what was oh yeah. yeah and yeah. then people have said he haunts it so he haunts the valley yeah. yeah of course he doesn't because ghosts don't exist <laughs> but the locals seem to think that he, in my great great grandfather still uh, marches around the valley yeah yeah well, why would they think if it isn't true? Oh, it must be then. <laughs> be good having an ancestor who was a ghost. I'd, I'd be good. I just thought they would try and film you with the ghost. Mm. Did they spend any time doing that? Trying to film you? No, with they the... didn't. They didn't try and film me with a ghost, Rich. Okay. <laughs> so I, that's why I'm not the producer of who you think you are, I guess. Because <laughs> I'd spent most of the budget on that. <laughs> you waited a night in that valley. <laughs> Come on, if we get this, and you can go, well, hey, what was it yeah, like well, being... Well, it was a bit of a rum and money, that guy. The well, see for yourself, there he yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you are? Where do you think that came from? <laughs> All ghosts go... <laughs> They're not happy about being ghosts, are they? Uh-huh. I reckon I'd be quite happy about it, because you go, it's a bit of extra time, isn't it? Better than being dead. I'd be going... I'd be the, I'd be the thumbs up ghost. <laughs> Wuthering Heights would have been a very different story with you as the ghost. Heathcliff. The window. Cafe! It's all right. It's all right. Can I come in? <laughs> with your consent. <laughs> this is an emergency question that I've noticed uh, in the, it was in the Daily Express it's asked in the Daily Express it's exclusively asked to women and I find that sexist so I'm going to ask it to my male guests from now on okay good this is the Daily Express's I hope uh, it's about my vagina Daily Express's <laughs> Daily Express's question what's your beauty secret? Uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> um, don't, men, men don't get asked this question ever you're oh, a very sexy man. 
women Thank- like you. I've, I've read British Comedy Guide, not the British Comedy Guide, British Dirty Brit Com Confessions. Yeah, yeah. There, There's more up. Oh, there are there are three mentally deranged women <laughs> posts directly on there. There's one that all are very much about wanting to be on Taskmaster and you are, are asking for tasks and re- the rewards of taking your clothes off and then having sex in front of the studio audience whilst being filmed and looking at yourself on a big screen. That's a new one. <laughs> That, do- that's what I want. <laughs> no, that's, that's what the I'm guessing, young lady, but you know, maybe a young man. Oh, do you have a be- do you have a beauty secret? Do you have a, re- I, a regime? Yeah, I suppose the the one um, the one vain thing I do that I'm amazed I'm admitting to <laughs> is um, that I uh, put a little bit of dye in my um, beard. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was um, a man over in my park uh, who runs the local cafe who said, and this is just genuinely how he talks, he went, he went no, no, no. And I went, what? He goes, this, no. And I went, oh, you don't like it? He goes, no, you look 100 years of age. Um, you've got to draw some just for men through that. So I do draw a little bit through the sides to stop me looking like Santa. And that's the only thing I do. Yeah. You look like Tim Allen halfway to transitioning to Santa the, in the Santa Claus. Thanks. That's all right. He's a, he's a handsome man. He's a good-looking man. I didn't expect that question to get like such a revelation. That'll be in the, that'll be in the Daily Express. Once this comes out, yeah. That'll be the front page. I can't really tell, but if I don't put a little bit in, it's just totally white, and it yeah. just makes me look 65. So, okay. Yeah. This is all, this is all natural, my, my one. Is it? Yeah. This is, all, this is all naturally... I never go full Noel Edmonds, but I don't, no. think, I don't think there's any shame in taking the edge off it. No. Can you be sure? Because surely Noel Edmonds never thought he would go. Like with Noel Edmonds, it was, it was quite subtle, and then suddenly one week on suddenly Dark Deal, no it, deal, it just went like he was a... just looked like children's felt <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> Because it's an act think, of madness what you think? to look in the mirror and go, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, no, I think we'll get away with that. <laughs> you won't, know. <laughs> you won't. What do you think the production team did that he turned up like that? Because they wouldn't have been able to... I think they're too busy looking in the mirror and going, oh, God. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd be doing films by now. Right, um, here is an emergency question. It's hot as fuck in here, isn't it? Is it? No. Oh, no. The old heart. <laughs> if you go, if during this interview, we'll put it out as a tribute to you, including, Thanks, including your death and death rattle. Thanks, and I'll mate. be laughing for a bit because I think you're joking, and then we'll go, but then I'll pull a serious face at the end when I know. So I'll go, you do a show about it? <laughs> yeah, I do a show. It might be my step up to the big time. Mike Gordon, who do you think you are? The man who murdered Greg Davies. Right. <laughs> Through laughter. Um, what? What the fuck is this? What's the most impressive? What's... The, I don't even understand this question. I'm going to ask it to you. I wrote it. What's the most impressive place that you have revealed your naked... Is that Doesn't gone to sense. print? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Fucking hell. Is it self-published, that? <laughs> Is it self-published? What's the most impressive... No, it's gone through a proper publisher. Someone's proofread that and gone, yep. <laughs> What's the most impressive place that you've revealed your naked? Not where you've been naked. Where <laughs> I've revealed my naked? <laughs> you've revealed... Hey... 
I'm naked. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've ever revealed my uh, naked anywhere <laughs> impressive. Okay. I don't really like being naked. I don't even like looking at myself naked. But I can tell you that the freest I've ever felt <laughs> naked yeah. was on a hillside in Spain, um, and someone had bought me a caftan. <laughs> and I went out in the place I was staying very early morning and my girlfriend at the time was in bed and uh, it was 6am in the morning and I went out in my caftan and I stood on the side of a mountain and I lifted my caftan up <laughs> and I just urinated off the mountain without touching my penis and I don't think you've ever done that no. it is, oh man, it is so liberating I'm... The, all of the men here and the women I guess it might be a bit more messy you must go home and try and have a wee with your hands behind your head it's so freeing it's like returning to the wild so I guess that's the the best way I've revealed my naked usually you've got someone to hold it for you as well that's the thing uh, maybe that's what he was up to maybe it's just come on it's It's time for the urine sample I needed it lifted by three inches (laughs) (laughs) okay here's a question for you I think I think you'll like this one would you rather be the face of a twin mostly absorbed in utero staring out of the stomach of your otherwise regular twin (laughs) you'd be able to think independently and talk and pass comments on what they were up to Okay, please you are. Chat with them when they're lonely, or when you're lonely, or be the prisoner. <laughs> this is quite near the end of the book. <laughs> I did the last couple of hundred quite quickly. This is you or... <laughs> draining the remains of a bottle of whiskey and going, fuck it. Watching the word count creep up. Fuck it. Or be the prisoner of a Randy Bigfoot who, is, <laughs> who so far has treated you kindly enough but has a look in his eye. Uh, some of those. <laughs> oh, what? So it. <laughs> Just distilling those down a bit. Well, you're either the twin, the abs- ma- mainly absorbed twin of it, someone else in the stomach, I would guess, of, like a bit like they uh, guess Total Recall, that little baby in Total Recall. Oh, so I'm I'm just, uh, I'm just a small face within someone else's stomach. Yeah, but you've got you've got your independent. Thought. Would I rather be that? Yeah. Or would I rather <laughs> risk being potentially fucked by a Sasquatch? Yeah. Well, a Bigfoot is a different thing, but yeah. Is a big foot a different thing to a yeah, Sasquatch? They come from different regions. <laughs> That's like saying, you know, uh, uh, an African elephant's the same as an Indian elephant, they've got different ears. Okay. <laughs> What's the key physiological difference between Sasquatch and Bigfoot? Well, I don't know, though. I just want to know whether it's, it's a giant penis. It's just. This, well, Richard, to answer your question, yes. I, I would. I think I would prefer the freedom of um, <laughs> moving around and fending for myself, and the small chance that the Bigfoot wouldn't fuck me <laughs> than being absorbed within someone else's stomach. Okay. So I think that would be my answer. Yeah. There's another question. 
Would you rather have the living face of your own twin, who you had mostly absorbed in utero, staring out of your stomach? Yeah. Who would be able to think independently and talk and pass comment on what you were up to and chat with you when you're lonely? Yeah. Or live on top of the pole in the desert for 30 years like Simeon Stylitis? <laughs> Oh, so this a... time, your your you know it's just a twin, kind of friendly little yeah clock face. It's all about freedom of movement for me, really, yeah. Rich. <laughs> Rich. And I don't want to be trapped in someone else's stomach, and I don't want to live on top of a pole, okay. like uh, David Blaine. So um, <laughs> for thirty years, uh, yeah, I would uh, I would yeah. have a small voice in my stomach. Okay, in that case. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, it feels like you've been asked that before. Yeah. <laughs> From the way you've responded, quite angrily. Have you got a twin in utero? I've seen your stomach. There's nothing in there. Um, you have a see-through toaster. Yeah. Is this what showbiz, the showbiz life has become? Alex Horn's really, really jealous of it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely furious that he wants a see-through toaster. And I can't say that I'm at all excited by it. <laughs> So you can see your toast. You can see it going brown and think, yeah. oh yeah, that's brown enough. But there is a design flaw because who sits watching? <laughs> the point of a toaster is it automatically does your toast for you, yeah. right? So if you're having to sit watching it go brown, yeah. then it's... Um, I'll tell you what it is, Rich. Yeah. It's a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> okay. So we should talk about Taskmaster. You are the Taskmaster. Undeniably. Yeah. <laughs> It's a fantastic show. We had little Alex Horn on. He's not that little. He's quite. Oh, he's, quite he's six foot two, I think. Yeah, he's quite big. Yeah, compared to me. Uh, and, I think he uh, genuinely finds it irritating does that, he? that people now know him as little Alex Horn, <laughs> and something that I'm drunk with joy on. <laughs> any irritation I can cause him. It's a lovely relationship the two of you have, permeating through those, growing through those many, many series you've done now. How many series have you done? You've done seven. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. And more to come. Many more. Yeah, to come. I would think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a joy for me, obviously, because Alex does all the work. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, I think it, but it's, a, it's one of those things that a lot of t- um, telly shows that get made, broadcasters will just give them one series, and if it's not everything they hoped it would be in that one series, yeah. then they stop um, making the programmes. But with um, uh, Dave and Taskmaster, they just kept going, because I think, mine and Alex's little fun thing has genuinely developed as we've gone on. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't know Alex at all, really. No, it's a, it's a really nice relationship. I mean, it feels like a relationship that was, you know, that was that predates that, but that's, you just... You, it, it didn't really, though. Did you, did you know when you, were, when you were offered it, did you know, because obviously getting you on board was a big help for them, because you were, you know... I don't know, but uh, yeah, I was delighted yeah. to be offered, and I uh, and I just could you said, see the potential immediately, or was it, well, was it obvious? I, if I'm honest with you, I, I, it was just that Alex did it, and I have been to see Alex's shows, and I think he's really clever and funny, and so I yeah, I just said yes based on that. If I'm yeah. honest, I didn't know whether the show would work or not. Yeah, who do you think's the biggest idiot you've had on? the show so far as I, I don't think there's been any idiots on it because Phil it's ce- celebratory Phil, Phil Wang no I think I would say that he is the only person I think I've judged far too harshly <laughs> I, I, I've watched a couple of them back and I thought oh no you've really stitched Wang up there <laughs> but it's hard you know I'm making the decisions genuinely in the studio and, yeah. and judging people and uh, it's 
genuinely quite stressful at times. <laughs> so I don't always get it. You don't always get it right. You know. <laughs> well, you do get it right because you're the taskmaster, but sometimes it feels... Yeah, like it's grossly unfair. Do you yeah. feel you gave Rod an easier ride because he's your mate? I certainly did not. <laughs> and I've, you're, you're not the first person to suggest this. And I'm telling you now, there is no way I want Rod to do well in any aspect of his life. <laughs> Even if it's on a joke game show, I utterly refute that I was helping him in any way. That's what someone who was helping him would say. Yeah, well. It's a very Trumpian response to that. I'm furious with myself if that's how it's appeared. <laughs> um, and do, does, does, is there a lot in that show that doesn't make it to the screen? I did ask Alex. So much. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether Alex has meticulously planned the tasks and filmed them, so I don't know that there are many tasks that don't make it to the screen eventually. But in the studio, it's like any of those shows, we just talk for ages. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, we're over two hours we record for right. every time, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what a laugh. It's a very, very enjoyable show. It's a wonderful show to be yeah. part of, yeah. Yeah, I imagine. That's why I sometimes, sometimes imagine that. And I and I I got who do you think you are before I even did that. Oh, did you? <laughs> That's incredible. Um, last night I slept from ten thirty to five thirty. Yeah. Didn't get up to go to do a wee. <laughs> when was the last time? That <laughs> I, gen- I genuinely couldn't tell you and yeah. at 11am tomorrow I have an appointment with the doctor to talk about my prostate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> will you give us a ring and let us know how it goes and we I can put it on will, as a yeah. extra at the end give us a ring's unfortunate because <laughs> I have got to have a prostate examination yeah. tomorrow yeah yeah I know I'm I, I am up at um, 3.30 oh, every yeah. day with uh, every night with um, the middle aged piss Right. It's oh, yeah. a living fucking hell. Do you do you have kind of panic attacks? And I've started having sort of panic attack, panic attacks when I wake up in the middle of the night. My kids sleep through now till about five thirty, six o'clock. So like I, I, can, I should be able to sleep through the night, but I often like wake up about two thirty, having had a weird dream, and then feeling really uncomfortable and not knowing why, and I can't turn the lights out and I have to go and walk downstairs and and have a light on and I can't sleep for about two hours and then I can sleep again. No, I don't have any of that. No, okay. <laughs> Probably that's the sort of thing that happens in the next year for you. <laughs> just, just to warn you. It's really horrible. Because it's like you sort of think, fuck, is this actually, is this sort of slight sense of fear and dread and not and feeling like you're going a bit crazy, which I am not. Uh, is that what life is going to be? Because as you get older, you know, your brain decays as well, doesn't it? And then you go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I am, my memory of this podcast is it was far more hopeful. <laughs> We were young. We were young men in our mid forties. Do you really feel? Do you really feel age? Do you find it difficult? I, no, I don't. I've, I found forty harder than fifty. I think it's because I've got so much going on. It don't, I don't. Just every. That's maybe the only time I get is two o'clock in the morning. Maybe that's when my existential dread can kick in. I think it's all it is. I've had yeah. it for a bit, but it's sort of happened. It happens when I've drunk a bit too much and had chili too late in the day. <laughs> So it's nothing to do with age. It's I don't to know. Do with your ter- well, I mean, terrible diet. I used to be able to. I used to be able to get drunk and eat chili late at night and still be able to sleep. And now, 
What I find about drinking yeah. now as a middle-aged man is that if I get drunk, I have 48 hours of absolute depression. <laughs> <laughs> to you? Uh, yeah, it definitely uh, is a knock. It's a knock. Yeah. It's all, uh, literally awful. Yeah. This uh, podcast is sponsored by beer52.com. <laughs> Beer52.com slash RHLSCB if you want eight free beers and to feel terrible <laughs> after drinking the dying. Come on, Rich. I like being I like We can old. pull this back, mate. We can, we can do it. It's going to be fine. I got a round of applause for sleeping through the night without doing a wee. They love us. That's good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the most, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, well done. <laughs> but I genuinely cannot remember the last time I hadn't, didn't have to get up at half past two to do a wee. And I'd had a beer and everything. That's great. Well, I'm yeah. really pleased for you. Thank you, it was good. <laughs> Are you ever mistaken for Greg Davis, the children law specialist? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you think he's ever mistaken for you? No. Do you think anyone ever rings up and goes, oh, I don't think I want you to do my children's law specialist? No. <laughs> I saw you interviewed saying that you still love touring mm. and you still enjoy it. Yeah, I really do. I think it's a really great thing to do with your life. Why wouldn't you like it? Why do any comics ever moan about it? Well, really you get hard. driven to a town and talk shit for an hour to people who've paid to see you. <laughs> Shut up. It's a great thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, as long as people want to do it, you know, see it, I will, yeah, I think it's great. I think, but so much of your comedy depends on you enjoying yourself as well, don't you think? So, like, some people can be grumpy and. You're not a grumpy performer in any way, are you? No, no. So if, you don't, if you're not enjoying the stage time, I'm not sure that show would work in the same way as it does. No, I would agree. The, yeah. the, I don't the material could... is flimsy at best. No, I don't think the, I think material is good, but I think so much of it is your... So much of it is your glee. It's your childish glee at what you're doing. Yeah. And, I, I, and it doesn't feel like you could really... I mean, there's a fakery but even if you're a dour but... comedian and you don't jump around yeah. gleefully, still, uh, touring is an amazing gift, isn't it? A wonderful thing to do. It is. You still tour? Do you, do do. you not love it any, still? I do, I do but it's, I find, again, when you've got... To, I, since I've had a family at home, that's oh, the Oh, yeah, thing. all right. Well, I can still have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to have kids? I doubt it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I feel you'd be a good dad. Thanks, Rich. But you say you hate children. Is the... I don't hate children at all. I've got two nieces, and yeah. I love I love them. They're great. I tell, I, I've probably told you what, what my uh, nieces uh, said to me a couple of years ago. I walked into the dining room, and uh, they're like, they're eight and ten now, so they were six and eight at the time. And as soon as I walked in, um, the older niece went, oh, we're not allowed to talk about how big your belly is anymore. <laughs> And um, the younger one, Daisy, came out from behind her and went, but you are fat. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. They are good. And oh, I was going to talk to you. We, the last time we saw each other was at Buckingham Palace. Yeah. That was a strange evening. Just the weirdest. <laughs> and walking in and seeing, I was already weirded out by being invited. And then I walked in and saw you. <laughs> I walked into a room and saw um, Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch, and Stephen Hawking. And 
I can't imagine why I've been invited. I don't know, I can't remember what this is. I think maybe I've dreamt this. It was weird though, wasn't it? Was it was weird. Well, it was a dinner for motor neuron disease. Yeah. And I've never done anything. You were a total imposter. <laughs> I'm, yeah, and I think there should be more motor neuron disease, not less. <laughs> It was very difficult for me. I had to eat the food. I feel like a little bit of a hypocrite. <laughs> I had two really surreal moments. Yeah. One is, the reason I've been invited is because I'd done a, a gig and I'd given the proceeds to motor neurone disease. And um, the guy went round and introduced us all and said what we'd done. And he said that you, he said you'd raised loads of money, but you hadn't raised anything. For scope, I'd raised loads of money for a for different scope. charity. Nothing to do with motor neurone. <laughs> I got invited very late on. The guy who worked at the charity used to work at Scope. That was it. Right. <laughs> okay, so you were, <laughs> you were a total imposter. I'd yeah. done a gig, and um, when they introduced me, he said, uh, the organiser said, and this is Greg Davis, who's, uh, who's um, <laughs> um, raised many thousands of pounds for most of your own. And later on, there were two weird things that happened to me. Later on, Susanna Reid... <laughs> quite aggressively questioned me <laughs> over the top of Stephen Hawking <laughs> about how many thousands of pounds I'd raised. <laughs> she went, you've raised thousands of pounds. So Hawking was RIP. Was, um, was between us. Yeah. She went, you've raised thousands of pounds of you. And I went, uh, yeah, yeah. She went, how many thousands of pounds? And I went, oh, I don't... <laughs> I can't remember. And then... Five minutes later, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, whose wife was heavily pregnant, swept out of the room, and my mum, who was obviously there because I'm obsessed with her, <laughs> my mum went, oh, no, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch has left. I really wanted to meet him. And Judge Rinder... <laughs> stuck on making this shit up, isn't it? <laughs> Judge Rinder turned around and went, you want to meet him? You're going to meet him. And he ran across the room, past Hawking and Reed. Sorry, past Stephen Hawking and Susanna Reed and the other strange collection of people, Princess Anne. Princess Anne was there. And, it, and quite aggressively grabbed Benedict Cumberbatch by the arm. He was escorting his pregnant wife out and dragged him back into the room and so he could meet my mum. Cumberbatch just going, oh, okay, well, look. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so you can let go of my arm, George Rinder. It's uh, nice to meet you, old lady. Old lady of a comedian, I don't know. Now I'm going to take my pregnant wife home, if you don't mind. Uh, Great night, though, wasn't it? It was good. Who we, else was there? We were, sat, we were sat next to Nick Knowles' wife, but Nick Knowles wasn't there. Nick Knowles didn't make it. <laughs> You fucking hell, Knowles. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't go, well, it's a very generous offer. <laughs> I'll be sending my wife. We were definitely at the bad end, the, the rubbish end of the table. Oh, God, they it got was... us well away from Princess Anne. <laughs> they did. Well no one near Princess Anne, no one near Stephen yeah. Hawking's. Well, they can't avoid me this time. I'm hosting the fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, is there going to be more man down? I don't know, actually. I don't know. There's a, there's a, there's a possibility there might be more man down, but I'm more inclined to possibly do something else. So, you're writing something else that you're not going to be in? I'm writing two things, right. one of which I won't be in, and one of which I will be in more than anyone else. Right. <laughs> That's my plan. But yeah. I, well, there is a route where Mandane might reappear, but at the moment I'm going to try and do this other thing. Right. Yeah. Any clues? About the thing? Yeah. It's just another silly old comedy. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't tell you the idea, because no. I haven't got it away yet, and it'll just be embarrassing. Yeah. It'll just be... Oh yeah, remember that shit idea he said on his <laughs> podcast that we've never seen. I do all mine on here, and none of them get made. Well, they're not. Yeah, it's the well, only, but it gives them a little that's life. Why I'm not gives making that mistake. Gives them a tiny life. <laughs> well, I've got a thing I'm uh, looking forward to. I hope that comes off. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I hope that. Well, it'd be nice to see more man down. It's a, re- it's a just really silly and fun. Thanks, Rich. Sitcom. And yeah, and like, they're uh, right, brilliant gang of people. Yeah. Yeah, they were a really nice group, and I hope. Somewhere in the future, maybe there will be something else. Yeah, yeah, we'll Good. see. Let's do. Let's just take a random emergency question and let's see if we it works or not. <laughs> what is the best thing you've ever bounced on? <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> I, I mean, I had a space hopper. I yeah. guess that's it. I had a. I, that's I, what sprung to I mind. had a. a very rare blue space oh, blue? yeah that was um, bigger than the orange ones because I was an outsized <laughs> child so they uh, they sourced a blue uh, space yeah. opera for me I guess that's the most yeah. thing I've bounced I, I imagine you're wanting me to you no, that, well, that look on your face that look on your face is just sexual innuendo you're the only person I know who can do sexual innuendo without saying anything <laughs> just, just by having your face <laughs> Did you ever fuck your big blue space <laughs> up? No, no. <laughs> Just the bad. That'd be a one-off time if you fucked a space. I mean, what a one time! You could do it in the blowhole, the blow, the blowing up hole of the space up. Yeah, they were tiny though. They were. You'd have to extend yeah. it a little bit. What if you? Um, <laughs> it's what anyone who's seen my stand-up show yeah. knows that I um, fornicated with my uh, teddy bear as yes. a child. I mean, it was a big teddy bear, though. It wasn't like it was, a little... It was five foot tall. It was like a grown-up teddy bear. It wasn't yeah. a, bear, a child teddy bear. Yeah, it was five foot tall, yeah. and it was tall and tense and purposes. Real. <laughs> and I fucked it real good. <laughs> but let me ask you this. Yeah. <laughs> when you were going through your um, teenage years, yeah. what did you have sex with? Well, not... I was surprisingly not very much. All boys had sex with something. <laughs> I think the, bear, the most I did, I was very, I, I, would have, I would have counted that as losing my virginity having sex with the teddy bear. Yeah. And uh, I would have then been disappointed. I was very, I was a very good boy. Uh, the, what, I, there was a, there was a condom machine in, <laughs> that's worse than it. <laughs> there was a condom machine in the, in the local pub that we went to when we were 14. You fucked that? No. <laughs> if you twisted it a certain way, Free condoms came out. Okay. And, we, and then sometimes free money. And we worked out this for a go- glorious period of about two weeks. We'd go in there and like a couple of quid would come out and we'd get four or five packets of condoms. <laughs> I wasn't going to have sex for five more years. <laughs> These condoms would have been out of, out of date by the time I ever got a chance to use them. But I had a stash of condoms. Like, God, if my parents had ever 
found those hidden there. Think, what the fuck is going on? Had like five or six packs of condoms, and I used to have a posh wank every now and again into one of them. That was that was it. Do you not find that your hands um, smelt afterwards, though? Yeah, yeah. And I flushed them down the toilet, which is a big mistake, isn't it? That's it. Well, because they can they can blow up in the in the in the sewers and block the toilets. They can. They can oh. expand. Yeah, don't flush them down the toilet. I didn't know that. I thought that was uh, standard practice. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you this. Yeah. When I was a young man, um, <laughs> me and um, a friend who I won't name, it wasn't a bowl of cheese. Uh, it was a different friend. When we were sort of very early, t- like 12, 13, and we were looking at a racy magazine, and <laughs> yeah. he was staying over at, uh, at my um, mum's, um, and um, we were looking at a racing magazine together and it sort of became an unspoken agreement after we'd looked at the saucy magazine that when the lights went off, we would pleasure ourselves. And so I did and finished. And then I was lying there in the dark and um, I left it like about five, ten minutes and I went, oh dear. (laughs) I'm like, oh dear. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. And I just heard this. Not finished. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had to just lie there. And I could hear. I could, I could hear every awful. Not finished. So horrible, isn't it? Uh. I've got a story I want to tell you. Yeah, go. I don't think it. I don't know whether it's. I don't think it's funny, but I think it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest I've ever laughed. When I was um, teaching, um, the 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 two there was the school I taught at. Um, had um, this idea of inviting all of the teachers and the heads over from a neighbouring school so we could share good practice, which is fucking horseshit. Who, who fucking cares? Just teach the children. Shut up. And it was in our own time. It was this awful. So we're, I was with a friend. We were both heads of department. I was with a friend at the back. And he had... <laughs> I don't, I'm starting the story. I don't think it's funny. <laughs> So we had like 50 members, all heads of department, and the governors, and the two heads from the schools, and it was all sort of, yeah, well, good practice at our school is we do this. And I just wanted to kill myself. And I noticed that um, there was a woman um, in my friend's department who had one of those flask mugs that you just, you know, that you just have, have a sip of, and then you can close them to keep your coffee hot. And she, she was mad, and I was watching her opening and closing a little thing, and there were tears of boredom running down my face. And I looked over at one of the guys from the other school, and he had a watch on, like a really big metal watch, and it looked like a cross-section of her flask mug. And I just wrote my friend a note saying, looks like these two cunts have been shopping in the same place. And I gave it to him, and he, he went... And then we carried on listening. And then he just noticed. <laughs> he noticed the flask mug and the guy's watch. 
and he just went and it was a room it was like this it was a room with at least 50 to 100 people in it all listening to someone at the front going yes well you know the best thing we can do is to look at the way our curriculums uh, reflect the needs of the children and my mate just went over the fucking cross circuit of the watch and everyone went quiet and the guy who was talking at the front went is there a problem back there and he just carried on that's that story it's really delicious yeah yeah we did, I did, t- Talking Cock was, my stage show was translated into loads of different languages. Yeah. And like some of them did like very faithful adaptations and some of them just wrote their own show. And so, <laughs> so you were, why have you, pay, you know, I don't own the rights to jokes about penises. That's right. it. And so we went to like one, I think I went with my director to Denmark or something like that. Um, and this guy had completely changed the show. And it was all, I was, we're just going to see your own show in lots of languages you didn't understand. And uh, it was all like songs, parody songs of Eminem and stuff like that. You know, it was just so far away from what I was doing. And then there was a really, a really person right on the front row. So he was looking. <laughs> 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 if you want to have a go at comedy, mate, have a go at your convictions. <laughs> so he was right on the front row. So we happened to sit there. What? And like, I was just like, this is kind of insulting. You've brought me to Denmark. <laughs> to watch not my show being done in a foreign language I can't understand anyway and you, you know he kept on smiling over at me and stuff and then they started doing he started doing like a really sick it suddenly went the mood changed it was really serious and he started singing something to the tune of Send in the Clowns <laughs> <laughs> and me and my director just were just killing just like everyone was crying up and we were just <laughs> and we just <laughs> and then the woman next to me just the more we couldn't laugh the more we were just <laughs> and it was basically <laughs> it was a song about date rape <laughs> oh it's funny now <laughs> and it's just these two guys who had laughed at anything in the whole show <laughs> We're just like trying to stop themselves laughing. <laughs> and it was so like against what the show was. The show was like this celebration of men and women and working together. So he put this fucking song about day rape. <laughs> which didn't fit in anyway. It was so painful. You know, like just, it's so painful. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was, <laughs> when I was teaching... Um, my uh, friend and it is a bowl of cheese um, it, we were at the the Christmas um, uh, what's it called the you know Christmas service <laughs> okay yeah the carol service yeah carol and uh, <laughs> we spent the whole time in the hymns uh, underlining certain parts of words to make like knob and dick <laughs> and stuff <laughs> and we were crying with laughter <laughs> And then later I came out and I saw him bollocking a child and he was going, how dare you? How dare you come into the house of God? 
a disrespect messing around. <laughs> and he had a hymn sheet in his hand with dick underlined. <laughs> oh, it's really bad what teachers do. <laughs> right. Well, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough in there, isn't there? I think there is. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. leave it then, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> it's been lovely to have you back, Greg. Thank you, and you're it's welcome lovely to be here. Any time. Uh, do check out uh, Netflix, You Magnificent Beast, which he is. You see his tummy in it, it's nice. Yeah. You're a very nice. sexy man. Do even, though, even though you're 50, I'm not, you know. That's what you're, I re- You're not ruling out. <laughs> I'm not ruling really, out really at the moment. My wife's in the audience. Um, she won't mind. Is it, is it cheating to have sex with Greg Davies? I don't, I'm, not sh- I'm not sure it is. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I just want to do it so at some point I can say, I haven't finished. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Davies. the Square Theatre podcast with me Richard Herring and my guest Greg Davies the music's by Pess thank you to everyone at GoFasterStripe.com buy all your DVDs and books and comedy stuff there it's great thanks to everyone at the Square Theatre go to their website and buy tickets to see all their shows thanks to everyone at the British Comedy Guide they've got lots of podcasts check them out they're good I'm indebted to my producer Ben Walker thank you to our executive producer Pete Knowles fantastic work Pete this week you knocked the socks off all the other executive producers this is a Go Faster Stripe Sky Potato and Fuzz production goodbye Hey, that was good, wasn't it? Did you enjoy it? I hope you did. I had a lot of fun on that one. Uh, do remember, you can get Beer 52 from beer52.com slash for her lustapur. Eight free craft beers. Uh, and uh, just pay package and posting, and then you can join in with the rest of it or not. And please buy my book, Emergency Questions. Uh, if you like podcasts, loads of podcasts have got books out this year, and it would be great for all of us if you like that podcast to buy their book and prove to the world of publishing that they are investing their money in the right place. Then you don't have to pay for anything because we'll all be billionaires. That's my pitch. Buy that book. Thank you very much for watching. See you. Bye-bye.